0: Welcome, everybody, to Haven of Horror. We're back. We had a couple of mishaps with the previous videos, but we're back for real this time. Uh, brought my friend uh, back. Do you have an online name that you want me to call you? Okay, my friend Sarah is back with us. She's going to be on the channel more regularly, I hope. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing the Evil Dead video all those months ago. Welcome back. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Screen 2. Which you just watched for the first time in years, right? Yes. Okay, so before we get into the actual movie discussion, I'm just curious because I missed most of your viewing of it. What did you think of the sequel to the 1996
1: film? It was pretty predictable. I mean, I like the first one a lot, but it's uh, it's very in tune to how the first one was laid out. So, the only difference is instead of high school, it's now college. Really, but I liked it it was entertaining it's a good good slasher film to watch when you want to watch something scary
0: watch your favorite scary movie Uh, so I agree with you it does mostly hit the same beats as the first one but I think it does that on purpose because this is very much a satire of sequels in the way that Scream 1 is a satire of the slasher movie and as anyone who's watched movies knows the rules for sequels is they have to be bigger and better uh, than the first one. So a lot of those beats, I think, are, yeah, it's Scream, but bigger because it's in college. Um, yeah, for sure. Did you buy the villain reveal? No, not really. <laughs> really? Okay, interesting. So, okay, no. so I'm curious. What what about it didn't you buy
1: Maybe I felt like the actual killer in this one wasn't seen as much as it was in the first one. Like, the two involved in the first film that were responsible for the terror that they caused, they were in it quite frequently. Whereas this one, it took more of a subtle approach, I guess. Like, you were always on your toes. You always thought it was somebody within the friend group because that's what happened before and this one even though i've seen it i vaguely remembered who the killer was so seeing it again i was like on my toes the whole movie and it's kind of like wow i forgot how intense this was especially towards the end when they're on the stage and multiple people pop up from Mm -hmm. you know the movie and the friend group and you're like oh is that the one is that the one but no
0: so you think it plays okay? So let me just just make sure I understand. So you think maybe it spends too much time trying to introduce red herrings and not enough time putting the main who the killers actually are in the film? Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um. So we we will come back to that. Uh. I just wanted to get kind of your first impressions. So obviously, this movie starts in a movie theater showing stab which becomes the movie within a movie in this franchise. I really like that idea, and I like the way they set up the the opening as kind of a bigger version of the first movie's opening. Uh, I know you don't like Jada Plinkett-Smith, who is in the beginning. Was it kind of satisfying to see her get uh, murdered on screen?
1: A little bit,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, and then I don't know if you recognized him, but her boyfriend in that scene is in house,
1: yes, I did recognize him a younger version <laughs> of himself for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. oh yeah, oh yeah. Can you believe this came out a year after the first movie?
1: Yeah, I actually when I was doing some number um, number research just on like budget and everything, it it was the the only film to be released so soon after the original. So, um, you know, sequels usually have, like, a a year or two gap in between them. This one was released in 97, so it came out
0: really quick. Well, and I mean, that's kind of the slasher thing. If you look at, like, say, Friday the 13th, I think the first seven uh, all come out, you know, year after year, um, Mm -hmm. which is insane, but it's because you know you've got the form, you've got the lay, basic layout. You just shoot it and ship it, so to speak.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I feel like the budget. I don't know what the budget was for the first original film, but the uh, budget for screen two was twenty four million dollars, and I didn't convert that to today's money. But I felt like the production value was way better on this movie.
0: Mm-hmm. So just for reference the budget for the first one was 14 to 15 million. Okay. Um and um. then and that's that's decently high for a slasher. Uh and then the budget for this one is 24 million. Which is in I would say really high for a slasher. Typically slashers are in the low millions. Um just yeah. cuz it's not like a big production. Like,
1: um... Yeah, they usually, you know, from my expertise of watching these types of films, they're usually all centered in one area.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, like, for example, The Evil Dead, they're all in, like, minus the third one. But both of the first and second one are in the cabin the whole okay. time. The production doesn't need to be extravagant. Whereas in this one, it was... In a movie theater, it was at the college, it was at the production in the theater at the college, the audio room, you know, there's a lot of detail that needed to be shown.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They did a good job, too. I I felt like, um, and I mentioned this to you, too, I didn't know what the play was that they were portraying in the movie. It kind mm-hmm. of gave me the Phantom of the Opera vibe, just because people die in that
0: thought it was, like, a play on that. Reduction value was really good. So, um, yeah, and, um, uh, a lot of that, especially in the first one, is they shoot on location. Uh, so, like, this one was made in Georgia and Los Angeles to represent Ohio. I don't know why you just don't shoot in Ohio, but whatever. Um, and they probably, <laughs> I'm looking here to see, because I've never actually thought to look into it. Um, but they probably did uh, use, like, real a real college. Um,
1: yeah. I know Georgia is actually um, a pretty popular area for filming. Uh, the Walking Dead series
0: is filmed in Georgia. A lot of Marvel films there. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Think- uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was, I
1: was just going to say, I think there's a studio there. I think maybe Tyler Perry's studio.
0: I could so they used Agnes Scott College and USC, UCLA. So, yeah, like uh, what kind of gives this movie and the first movie uh, a sense of authenticity is it's not like we built a college. It's we filmed at a college. Uh, and I yeah. think that adds a great deal of, of realism to to any film, obviously. So, right away with the opening, jumping back to where we were before we got a little off track. uh, So, this movie instantly shows you yeah, we're a sequel, we're bigger, we're, you know, gorier. With the first kill in the movie being a knife right through the ear, and it looks so painful. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I uh, my mind is also ruined because I've seen Scary Movie now and they parody that and it's awful. I hate those movies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I not gonna lie, for a long time I thought scary, the first Scary Movie was Scream just mm-hmm. because of how how much they parodied it. And then I was like, oh, well, Scream is also a parody at the same time. So
0: and, yeah, yeah um, I have a. To me. Yeah, I have a friend who I've been—I sh- was showing horror movies for a while, and she argued with me for months that she would not watch Scream because it was stupid. And I was like, "No, Scream is awesome." And it turns out she was thinking of a scary movie. So I told her she's no longer allowed to argue with me about movies because I know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, so, fun little. You know,
1: Scream is kind of stupid though, <laughs> but it's—it's it's a good stupid. <laughs> it's a funny stupid.
0: But see. It, it's hard to call something extreme stupid because a lot of the stupid stuff is satirical of the of the genre that it's satirizing. So technically, it's actually really well written.
1: Yeah, no, it is. It is. But it is, like, in a, I guess, a coll- colloquial saying, it is kind of stupid because you have all these these notes of it parodying itself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, well, that's kind of dumb. Why would you do that? <laughs> but in reality, it is a genius because it's hilarious and yeah, they're in on the joke, you know?
0: And, and I feel like the, the brilliance with Scream, that maybe this one is lacking a little bit, is yes, Scream is a satire of slasher movies, but you can also just enjoy Scream as a whodunit. Even if you mm-hmm. don't get all the meta references. Whereas this one, I think, maybe goes too far with the meta-references, even though I appreciate those. Like, I love that scene where they're in the film class just, you know, talking films. Uh, although this film is deadly wrong about one thing. Aliens is not better than Alien. I'm just saying.
1: I, I, can't, I can't speak to that. I've never seen them.
0: <laughs> what? You've never seen Alien?
1: No. it's Sigourney Weaver, right?
0: Yeah. Directed by yeah, Ridley I Scott?
1: I know, I know, I know, I know, like, the historical significance and the, the director. I can say that I know things about it. I've just never physically seen it. And maybe we start on the sci-fi train next. <laughs>
0: We're going to change that one of these days. We will do an episode on Alien. Mm. Um, so the opening I really like, um, but I would say I think Scream 1 still has the better opening. Uh, with Drew Barrymore and and the popcorn and the kill. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, that's iconic. So it's it's almost not fair to compare them just because that scene is like horror perfection or comedy perfection.
1: Yeah. And I think maybe they thought they couldn't they couldn't top that mm-hmm. by making it a film in the film that you're watching. The same thing happen to I believe it was Heather Graham. So, it's it's funny to me that like Wes Craven had a a really smart way of being like, oh hey, we have a film in a film that's parodying what happened in the first one because we can't recreate that. And it's you iconic-ness.
0: you are correct. That is Heather Graham, and I have to say, I think the biggest laughs this movie got out of me is the clips of stab that it shows. Um, Luke Wilson playing Billy Loomis in that one scene is hysterical. (laughs) And then you've got, you know, Tori Spelling as uh, Cindy Prescott. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) So good. Yeah. (laughs)
0: And,
1: And it's funny because those were two big actors at that time. You had like 90210 that was on TV at the time. So it's just funny to me that they got... The the cameos that they did for this movie.
0: Oh, is that why they picked them? Okay, I've never seen well, 90210.
1: She, um, G- uh, Tori Spelling's in that show. I don't know Luke Wilson. Um, I know he had a stint on that seventy show, but I think that that, that would have been after. That.
0: Yeah. So that's that's like early mid two thousands. Um, I will say. If there is one issue I have with the opening, it's a story plot problem. So, oh, no, wait. You know what? I just realized I think it fixes itself. Because their names are uh, related to the Woodsboro. It's like a message thing. That's right. I forgot about that. Okay. Um, and then we, we instantly jump over to Sydney, kind of checking in on her. And... I don't know. I don't know about you, but Sidney Prescott is just one of those characters. Like even in a bad movie, I like watching because Nev Campbell is so good in this role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say Sydney is probably the best final girl, if not one of the best mm-hmm. uh, oh, final yeah. girls.
1: She's very charming, and I feel like that's a weird thing to say for a like a slasher film, <laughs> like the main character being very charming I don't know she's I like to watch her in these movies
0: yeah and she's she's got a vulnerable side uh to her that I think a lot of final girls need too many too many movies I think the problem is that they try to make like a strong female character by giving her no weaknesses whereas this character very much has weakness but she's strong enough to overcome
1: yeah and and I feel like in every film I haven't seen four and I've not seen the new one, and three is a little big to me. But so far one and two, he's getting more confident,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like more badass basically, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. You're giving him more character. He's not just a or, woe is me, female character in this film franchise.
0: So, yeah, exactly. And then with with this being her in college, another nice thing about that is they can use the classes in the school as an excuse to have those meta references. Uh, Like that that film scene, film class scene that we talked about, um, where it's just an excuse to have a bunch of characters like, here's a movie reference, here's a movie reference. But they're also debating, I think, what the film is about kind of thematically which is can a sequel be better than the original i don't agree with some of the ones they named like i stated uh but i thought that might be an interesting subtopic here is there a sequel you think is better than the first
1: oh in any like any 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 genre? any genre oh gosh man i don't know there's a lot of sequels <laughs> out there um i don't know I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Really? Well, well, okay, I have, so I really like the second Evil Dead, even though I know a lot of people don't really like that one, but only because, uh, like like, in the very beginning of that movie, he's, like, going crazy, basically. Like cabin fever type of everything's talking to him, like the clock's mocking him, stuff like that. In the first one, we didn't really get that, so I like that, but I wouldn't say it's better than the first. Oh, I would. There's aspects of it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm am I, I'm a true romantic and feel like originals are always better, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there are better sequels out there. My, That's a
0: good question. My policy with The Evil Dead, because I, I do firmly believe that the second one is better, I respect the hell out of that first movie and i love it i like it quite a bit but i think it needed that humor that he introduces in the second one um so i would say it is better because it added that missing piece from the first movie and you finally have a character in the second movie you can kind of like latch onto. because as much as i love that first movie all the main characters are kind of stale pieces of bread
1: yeah in- <laughs> first film too you gotta remember that was basically sam raimi's student film yeah like yeah they didn't really have a budget they just kind of went into the woods and was like okay here you go here's our ideas and then the second one he got a lot more money and i think he used that well i agree way more creative
0: absolutely so anyway but back to back to screen two Um, we'll we'll do an Evil Dead video in the future. I've got I've got ideas for that. uh I like that they mentioned Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Um, but I have to be honest, I thought that was like a mid two thousands like internet invention. I did not realize it went back to like. No, I know it's real, but I I didn't realize it went back to like the nineties.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know where it came from. I feel like there's a funny story behind it.
0: I don't know. that would be that'd be interesting to look. Look into.
1: Well, I personally have a few seven degrees of Kevin Bacon contacts, so <laughs> it's it's like there's a theory behind it. Don't want to get boring and scientific, but there is actually a theory.
0: Um. So the uh, the big thing with this movie, with the with the main trio, because that that's what it is. You know, it's the main trio. Uh, is mm-hmm. every sequel has to reset Gale and Dewey? Uh, so in this one, he hates her again, and she's kind of being a cold-hearted bitch. And then they'll do it again in three, and then Ford doesn't do that exactly because they do have that long time skip, um, because it was like eleven years between sequels at that point, um. But as much as I I love the 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 two of those t- like those two characters because they work really well together. And one of the strengths of this movie I think is watching these two kind of try to unravel the plot, uh, which is basically the scream formula, right? Like the killer's after Sydney and she's just trying to survive, and then those two go off and play like Scooby Doo and try to try to figure out the plot. Um, how did you feel about them kind of resetting her character from the first movie? I'm not
1: gonna lie. Um her character and and Dewey's character are like the same to me in every you know, every one of these movies I've seen, which isn't a bad thing. I think it's important to have stale characters in some of these films because if you have too many eclectic personalities, people are gonna get lost and they're not gonna know who to focus on or who to like be suspicious of. So Mm -hmm. it's nice to have these characters that don't really have a I don't know, I guess a character arc, so to speak. I don't know. And they're they're good comic relief. I don't know. He, um, what's his name? David Arquette. He's just really good at being that awkward guy that shows up at the worst time. So I like that for him. And that's Dewey. So.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, uh, I, I can agree with that. I would say the problem is they, they are for all intents and purposes, uh, secondary protagonists. Um, so it would have been nice to see them maybe grow more other than uh, we're back to status quo of we're not together, we don't like each other, Dewey's mad at her for something. Um, but overall, I like the characters and I like watching them do their thing. So it doesn't bother me as much as maybe it should be. <clears throat> so speaking of actors in this movie, we talk, I messaged you about this when I was watching it earlier. Uh as anybody knows Buffy is a big part of this channel and Sarah Michelle Gellar is in this movie it's so weird to see her in this movie because I'm just so used to her as Buffy and this would be the same year that Buffy debuted on TV oh really 97
1: okay. yeah like I feel like the mid 90s the mid to late 90s were her years mm-hmm. like she was like the screen queen basically was in all those shows like yeah. what I know what you did last summer and Cruel Intentions and all of those movies.
0: I still gotta see that. But yeah, <laughs> then she dies she dies in this and in uh, I Know What She Did Last Summer. Um Yeah. Her is rough in this one. Like he just throws her out of the
1: <laughs> I think honestly it was refreshing as horrible as that sounds. <laughs> We get enough of the stabby stabby. I want to see somebody be thrown mm-hmm. like off of a balcony or into a wood chipper. I don't know. Be more creative about it.
0: Well, and I like, and
1: I like the character, like the the murder, the murderer in these films. But I like creative, creative killing.
0: Well, and one of the things with this movie being a slasher is because the killer isn't supposed to be like. He's not, you know, Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees. It's just a guy in a mask. Uh, Mm -hmm. So they don't get the opportunity to be as creative as something like Nightingale Street or Friday the 13th. But it is nice, you know, when they switch it up. I I do agree with you on that. Uh, Yeah.
1: And it's it's funny, too, since it's a parody of, like, all these movies, you would have thought that Wes Craven would have taken inspiration from, like, Jason Voorhees. And like, maybe this this character who's murdering people would have taken inspiration from a film like that, but have completely botched those types of you know ways and well, things.
0: So there is an argument to be made that Ghostface is paying homage because as much as this is a parody, it's also an homage to the franchise, like to those to those movies. Because it never says, like, oh, these movies are bad. It's just, this is what happens in a movie. You know this. What if we subvert that expectation? This is, if there's an argument to be made that Ghostface is kind of homaging Michael Myers. Because Michael Myers is most well known for using a large butcher. Names. Yeah. Um, yeah, and
1: I got that. Especially, like, in the very beginning of being stabbed in the ear. Like, that gave me very much Jason sides.
0: Halloween is Michael why. Myers.
1: Er, yeah, <laughs> <vibes>. <laughs> I was like, wait, that, that one guy
0: is. in the mask. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're all in masks, don't you know?
0: Freddy's How else not. Would
1: they be able to kill people? No, he's he also has a distinctive
0: look. look yeah.
1: To yeah, he's very recognizable.
0: So, since we're talking about Ghostface as a killer, um, the other thing that he shared. The, the thing that makes him unique is it's not Ghostface isn't a person almost so much as he's an idea, I guess, at this point, because obviously there's a different Ghostface in each film. But what really makes him iconic is that voice, uh, Roger Stern or sorry, Roger Jackson, uh who, who plays in all of them. And he was in the TV show, which I've never watched other than the pilot.
1: No, it was a TV show.
0: And it was an MTV thing. It looked pretty bad.
1: Oh, oh that was a fever dream. I kind of
0: remember <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, So, obviously, Roger Jackson is in all of them, and he's consistently the best, like, really good in, in all of them. Um, where do you kind of rank him in, I guess, the killer actors? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I wouldn't say he's number one, just because, like... If you hear that voice, you don't think of, you know, the random one-off slasher film. You think of Scream or you visualize that mask with that voice.
0: Even above Robert Englund.
1: Well, yeah, well, okay. So, (laughs) that that franchise is before our time. Scream is definitely our generation. Mm -hmm. You know, being 90s babies, early 2000s, like, it's definitely more of what we grew up with. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Robert England, I didn't really grow up with his movies. He is iconic. Like, if I just see him, I know immediately he's Freddy. But when I hear the voice from Scream, I visualize that character. So, okay. it's kind of got the opposite effects, you know? Like, they're both iconic because they both have trademarks and you identify them. But I feel like Ghostface is more iconic. Every, I mean, to your every generation. Yeah, to my generation, to our generation, even this last Halloween, I had, like, three of them show up in my front door. So, <laughs> it's like, people are still dressing up like that. I don't see any Freddies anymore, which is kind of sad, but...
0: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to use this as an excuse to go off on just a side tangent. Because I agree with you, obviously, my generation grew up with Scream. I was Ghostface for Halloween one evening. I think maybe it might, have been, might have been me and you. We used to wear the mask to terrorize my cousin, um, or that was some. It was me and somebody. But anyway, but I am very much like my movie taste. My favorite genre of film is eighty slashers. You know, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, and it really makes me sad that we've kind of moved on from from that genre because I think there is a lot that hasn't been done with it. So I really hope between you know the new Halloween movies we've got a new screen movie. I'd like to see that stuff, you know, come back.
1: I think it will. I do. Um, You know, looking back at, from what I can remember, I don't see anything that would be inherently problematic to reboot those franchises. And I, you know, we have people like Rob Zombie, who in my opinion, is doing a fantastic job reliving his childhood through these films. Mm-hmm. And Hopefully he does something with Freddie. I think it would be really cool.
0: See, I, I I'd really like to job. see him do I'd like to see him do Jason. Yeah. I think he'd be he better be suited ready. for Jason.
1: Honestly, I feel like he'd be great at anything because it seems like the man has absolutely no care in the world. He's like, I'm gonna do what I wanted to happen back in the day. And I don't care what the studio says about it. Right. I'm gonna do it. And he does. He does a great job. He's
0: underrated, in my opinion. Remind me to talk to you about that after the show, because I'd like to do some of his movies. Um. So, the the other thing I really like with this being a sequel is our introduction to Sydney is her getting a call. You know, kind of setting up that the and then it's oh, I know who you are. I have caller ID, jackass. Uh, and I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, that
1: happened. That happened a couple of times, like, like the homage to the the phone calls, like, and mm-hmm. in this is later on. You might bring this up later on, but the Jamie Kennedy, like, right before he's killed, he's on the phone and he's like, "So, what scary movies do you like?" I'm like, oh, that's literally from the first movie. <laughs>
0: like, well, and I mean the tagline for for Scream, you know, is "What's your favorite scary movie?" Um, yeah, there's just... like, so big. <laughs> Yeah, there's just something I love about those slasher movies that, like, they weren't trying to make something iconic. They just just did, you know?
1: Yeah. The worst, like, I know I studied film in college. And these are probably on the list of worst films ever made from, like, a critic's standpoint. But I think they're some of the best films ever made because they didn't take themselves seriously. And it wasn't, quote, quote, about the art. It was just, hey, I have money. I have this idea.
0: Which movie? Oh, oh these. Yeah. Uh, I would say, I would say that most people would agree. Like these are some of the better, you know, um, movies. At the very least, these are probably the most critically successful slasher films. Uh, you know, like look at Friday the Thirteenth. I think the highest one there is probably in the high fifties. Um, because they're they were trashy movies, and they knew they were trashy movies. Yeah. But, yeah, I, that's interesting. I'd like to look into that. I know at least the first one, like, that guy, a wonderful release.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> uh, let's see. So where were we? We have Camel. Uh, uh, Sarah's favorite saint scene, the singing scene. Uh, I really wanted to fast forward. Uh, <laughs>
1: okay. It is cheesy. Again, comedic relief. Or just, like, not even comedic relief. It was just a relief from all the stuff happening, you know. And, he and it, it is a movie,
0: movie. reference.
1: I think it's, it's sweet. A movie reference.
0: Well, according to the movie, it is a reference to Top Gun.
1: Oh, I didn't get that. Then again, I've not seen Top Gun at all.
0: Neither have I. I've never seen <laughs> it, so. But What's when he point first point? starts... Oh, I... Some, it's got to be something I love you. Uh, but right before he starts singing, one of, uh, I think Timothy Olympian's character uh, says it's a Top Gun song. Um, I'm going to Google this. Okay. So the other thing... Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say I'm Googling this just because I'm interested in what it, the reference is.
0: The other thing with, with Sydney before we move on to some of the other characters, is... The, the thing I like with her character, and we build on this with three, is that she clearly has PTSD from the first movie's events. Oh, yeah. And we've never, at least to my knowledge, in a big horror franchise like this, A, we don't usually bring back the final girl. Like, it's always new set of characters, but the same mm-hmm. killer. We've never really explored, I think, what the effects of being in a horror film would do to a person. Uh, so it's it's kind of cool with this one and to a smaller degree, three, which we're going to get to soon. Exploring the, like, this character has PTSD because some lunatic tried to fucking murder her. <laughs> yeah. And didn't she technically have some
1: PTSD in the first one, too? Because wasn't her mother murdered?
0: Her mother was murdered, but she didn't... They're vague on how much she witnessed. But she did, fit like, accuse the wrong me. Because
1: I remember, because, I don't know, like, I was having flashbacks to the first film when she was having, like, PTSD episodes. And it kind of reminded me of the first film mm -hmm. when she was running away towards the end of the film from, you know, the original murder.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Just kind of, it kind of gave me vibes from that scene. Anytime she did have flashbacks, so I kind of tied that into like her mother being murdered. She's she's never really gotten over that, you know. Like nobody would.
0: Well, she and Scream her. Scream Three muddles that whole thing too. Uh, well, the is, ending that's of a- the ending of Scream Three is a mistake. Um. <laughs> yeah. So. Switching gears a little bit to another character, Jamie Kennedy's character, who's also named Jamie in this movie. And I am convinced they only named him Jamie so they could have the meta joke in the first movie where he's watching Halloween and yelling at Jamie to run away from the killer while the killer is approaching him. And I love that joke, but I'm convinced that's the only reason his character's name is Jamie. Um... Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. I got that mixed up. His character's name is Randy, but they do the meta joke with the run Jamie because his name is Jamie Kennedy. So I love Randy. He's one of my favorite characters in the first movie. And I like him a lot here, too. Uh, We get the mandatory, like, these are the rules of sequels. Like, we got the, these are the rules of of horror films. And I kind of wish they hadn't killed him in this one. Yeah. I really
1: like, I like Jamie Kennedy as an actor. I think he's really, really good. Um, I was kind of, I was the only character in this film that I was kind of sad for, just because, like, he seemed to, other than Sydney, like, he had a, a fight in the story, you know, like, he was in the house in the first film and witnessed that, knew the people who were responsible for that, and in this one, like, he really wanted to find the person and then the person kills him. Mm-hmm. It made me
0: angry. Yeah. But I do like that he... And I, I, What I do like about his death scene, even though it does bum me out because I did like him, is it's kind of like almost a hint that the killer has something to do with Billy because he doesn't get killed until he starts bad-mouthing Billy. And then you yeah. reveal who the killer is and it's like, oh, of course, you know. Any mother, especially a psychopath, is going to kill you for insulting your son. The mommy boy
1: reference. That's what did it.
0: Yeah, there you go. Um, But I love that whole scene in the park. You know, he's talking to the killer and like Gale and um, Dewey uh, are like trying to find the killer. And the way it's shot and it's just it's got a good sense of tension, which is something that I think this movie does really well. And then ends and like oh I'm sad because Randy's dead, but he is yeah. in screen three for a cameo, so at least there's that to look forward to.
1: That's good. I I'm go, not gonna lie. I don't like it when they do that and the character's dead.
0: Well, <laughs> like, it makes sense in three because it, the cameo. I'm just gonna spoil this a little bit for you. It's a videotape, so it's uh, not oh, really okay. him.
1: Okay, that I'm not mad about that then. <laughs>
0: Uh so Cotton Weary, who is Lee Schreiber's character, um is such a douchebag in this movie. Almost to a comical point.
1: It's that name. His name makes him that <laughs> way. <white. laughs> so stupid. But of course I would add that with you if my name was Cotton. Like, come on now. So dumb.
0: I know, right? about the wrong things, but... Yeah, that's such a weird thing to be mad about. <laughs> that's okay. I take the weird things in films to be mad about. Um. So, um, with a lot of this movie being the investigative parts that we mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of this movie is, you know, Debbie and Gale teaming up. I really like that scene, we talked about this a little bit, with the audio booth, where like mm-hmm. the one's on this side and the others on this side, and you can kind of see like Ghostface behind them, and then he he hurt he injures Dewey. and I've always felt like these movies tease the idea of killing one of them, like that would be a big impact because everybody thinks of them as like the secondary protagonist, but then they never quite do. Do you think that would have been better if they just said fuck it, we'll just just kill him?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, seen 3 through the new one? Is the new one just called Scream? Yes. Okay, so I haven't seen any of the ones after 3. But I do have... I do have a problem when films refuse to kill off characters. Like, I understand Dewey is beloved and David Arquette is an actor in the 90s that was in everything pretty much, but it would have been nice to see one of them die just to kind of solidify the fact that this person is crazy and they don't really you know they don't care mm-hmm. you're going after anybody you know and no he's just i feel like if any normal person went through the things he went through because wasn't he shot in the first one like multiple he's beat times.
0: up pretty badly in that in the first one that's why he's limping in this yeah. one
1: i Again, I don't see why he would survive being stabbed multiple times. <laughs> it's just, it, yes, I get it. it's very cheesy and it's a campy type of film, but campy films also kill off their main characters. And I think we should, we should see that. And hopefully in the new one that they do.
0: I them. feel like with this new one, I, cause I've been staying away from all trailers and everything. I think anything is possible with this one because I have heard it is going to be a kind of a passing of the torch film, Um, which doesn't surprise me because, like, how many times can somebody dress up in this costume and go after the same person?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, three.
1: Sydney, please kill Dewey.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like kill Dewey or or kill um, Gail, like. Mm-hmm. I I would legitimately be upset if we do kill Sydney. Yeah, but if the movie can do it in a believable way, I think I'd be fine with it.
1: Yeah, I just I don't know. I have that frustration with like Jason Voorhees as well, like that weird relationship with his sister. Yet he wants to kill her at the same time. Is this your sister? That's right?
0: that's Michael Myers.
1: Michael Myers, I'm getting them confused. Sorry.
0: So okay. Here's the thing. This is almost in a second. The Halloween franchise is fucked beyond belief. Yes. Yeah. They and are no Jace, right. No, that's is Jason. That that's Jason. Okay. <laughs> and that that movie's a lot of fun. I don't know if you'd like it, but it's the perfect kind of like stupid for me. Um I'm But <laughs> so so, Michael and Lori start out as sisters and in two. And that was just because John Carpenter didn't care. He didn't really want to make a sequel to Halloween. But then, in 2018, they are no longer siblings. Because none of that okay. stuff happened. Halloween has, like, three, like, we're just going to do fresh start. Like, we're, we're going to wipe away the other sequels and we're going to try again.
1: guess that wasn't a good example, but I really have a problem with franchises that do things like that. TV shows, movies, I don't know. It's just like, I call it tension exhaustion, because you get so tense over these characters, yet they keep coming back, because nobody dies. And it's like, what other scenario can you put them in?
0: Who else is going
1: to come out of of the woodwork to come kill them? (laughs) It's just like... (laughs) <laughs> you'd have more creative expression killing your main characters than you would figuring out a way to potentially kill them later on
0: um, so speaking of, of Jason and Michael and, and killers for the last bit of this review we're going to talk about the killers in this movie um, I love Timothy Olymphant I don't know how you actually say that last name mm-hmm. Uh, but I love him as an actor, like everything that I've seen him in, he's great. Uh, if if you haven't seen it, there's a 2010 horror film called The Crazies, which is a remake of a George Romero film that he stars in, and it's really good. Uh, and then, of course, Santa Clarita to Die, which we're both fans of. Uh, still um, mad, still mad that it got canceled. How did you feel about him in this movie? Um, again, these characters are very
1: stereotypical and predictable. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if he did it on purpose or if that's how the character was written. Um, I'd like to go back and see if I can find the script to this film because something I like to do, especially if it's like a sequel or a remake, I like to read the script to see what type of direction the character is written in, to see the differences between how it was portrayed on screen and how it was written originally. I just feel like he was, a more exaggerated and over the top version of the last two killers which I think was the point but I don't know he seemed very over the top all the time
0: (laughs) yeah he's got this thing from scene one with him it's like there's something not right with this guy
1: he's crazy like he is certifiably crazy (laughs) 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 He, he doesn't hide it and, you know, for the people who thought maybe he was the killer in the beginning, rightfully so. Because if he's not the killer, then somebody more psycho is the killer, and I have not seen that. It's hard so, to upstage that.
0: So I do agree with you. Um, and I, I never put this together until this viewing and kind of talking with you about it as you were watching it. He is very much the, this is the sequeled version of Stu from the first movie. Mm-hmm. And as, But as much as I love Timothy Olymphan He is no Matthew Lillard mm. And Matthew Lillard In that first movie is also fucking crazy But it's also Like you could just You could also buy that it's just Oh you know this guy's a little Like nuts but not crazy enough To kill someone Whereas really Yeah like, Whereas Timothy Olymphan from scene one is like <laughs> This guy could kill someone
1: Yeah kill somebody in broad daylight in the middle of the quad at school without a mask on and he wouldn't even care It wouldn't face him he would just go for it and you would be like yep that's what i predicted
0: what i do love though with the, the the main killer reveal uh is with it being the mother that goes all the way back to the 60s with psycho of course and then you've got you know Friday the 13th which is the inverse of psycho um a lot of the a lot of horror movie monsters it starts with the mom oh
1: yeah it's a psychological thing <laughs> that you know studying psychology um these people don't have that motherly nature to take care of them they're lacking Ooh. that they fixate on ways to hurt people i guess because they're hurting mm-hmm. So it's very, yeah, very psychological.
0: Something and I like think, that. and I think it tracks, right? Because with Billy in the first movie, it was because his dad was sleeping with Cindy's mom. It caused a wedge in the, the between his parents' marriage, and his mom took off. So he kills people, and in this one, his mom finds out what happened and decides to get revenge. And I have to commend the lady that's playing um, Mrs. Loomis. Because she is really good at both being nuts, but also like <laughs> acting sane. Cause have you seen
1: Roseanne? <laughs> She's no, basically that character. What? <laughs>
0: She's in Roseanne.
1: She's in Jackie.
0: Oh, I. I've She's never. <laughs> oh, okay. I've never watched that show.
1: Not killing people. but <laughs> It's kind of funny to me.
0: But I do like that, like, in my opinion, and I have a different view because obviously I've seen this movie quite a few times. So let me ask you this if you hadn't known who the killer was, and you're just watching this completely blind, would you have ever guessed that it was the random news reporter lady? Oh.
1: (laughs) No, because there was that one scene between her and Courtney Cox where. She she makes a comment. I don't remember exactly what she said, but she said something along the lines of being a good person or, like, having good intentions or something, and it was exactly a jab to her, the murder, but it didn't make sense until the end, but then you look back and you're like, well, it really didn't make sense to begin with because they didn't build her up like they did in the first film, you know, with the two killers. Like I said previously, they were very much involved in every scene, pretty much. If one wasn't there, then the other was there. Kind of. A thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And they're both off-screen for big chunks of this film. Um,
1: oh, yeah.
0: Okay. No, I, I, I don't disagree. Uh, it didn't bother me as much because I do think it is a fun kind of play on the classic, you know, horror trope. Um... Mostly, it's a reference to Friday the Thirteenth, really, because uh, obviously in the first Friday the Thirteenth, it's his mom, not Jason. And if you want to, as much as I love Friday the Thirteenth movies, if you want a really bad who done it, watch that movie because the killer doesn't show up on screen until the last twenty minutes of the movie. There is no way to guess who the killer is in that movie
1: of surprise but we need to be a little bit more logical about this <laughs> like yes the person's masked but at the same time they still need to have you know it, and I get what like people like Wes Craven do when they do things like this because you have you know real life example serial killers statistically speaking have more of a tendency to go back to crime scenes and to be involved in search efforts and I feel like this is a good example cinematically of where they implement that, you know, like they're in, they're involved in the search efforts. They're involved in the reporting of the crimes, but this one I felt lacked that minus that like one scene where she is a reporter and she's asking questions and gets yelled at. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just like, okay, that's it, random, but sure.
0: I think, cause this is the longest screen film uh, up until recently. I don't know if the new one is longer or not. But I think what I may, if I could fix this film, not to rewrite the film, because I am not a screenwriter, I would have cut down some of the college stuff and found maybe a way to work them more And At the very least, you could have worked Timothy Olympic's character more into the like script and then have Mrs. Loomis the reveal is like she was off-screen Easter mind.
1: I'm going to call him Crazy Guy because I don't remember <laughs> his actual name.
0: <laughs> That's why I'm calling him by the actor's name.
1: <laughs> crazy Guy was also one of those people who just didn't fit. I can't even remember where he came from or like when his first scene was because he was just crazy and everything. Well, him. his,
0: his first scene uh, the, the other reason I mention this is because I love this scene. But his first scene is the film class scene.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Again, crazy doesn't really fit, <laughs> and you're just like, "Who is this dude?" <laughs> oh, God.
0: Although I, there might be an argument to be made that that there's a reason for that. Like he's not around a lot because he doesn't fit in, and that's what allows you know Mrs. Loomis to kind of manipulate him into doing. Yeah.
1: And, I don't know if they did this in the first film. But again, building off of what you were talking about fixing, like updating in the film, like enhancing, they should have shown some like masked scenes of him working or like being influenced by Ghostface or the person, or you know what I mean, like implementing things that would suggest he is involved somehow, maybe even the killer, and build up to that.
0: You mean so Timothy Olymphon's character? Yeah. Well, but the problem with doing that is that he doesn't have a connection to anyone.
1: No, but I feel like they could, with as long as this film is and with the, the lack of making connections to kind of build up to who did it, they could have made it a plot twist. Like, oh, this person fixated on these crimes and they know this person because they, you know, they're weirdos and stalked the news and so oh i'm gonna befriend sydney because she's at my school you know making something so simple and putting a twist on it like that is i felt like the reveal would have been a lot more like oh gosh like i didn't expect that instead of like this is kind of dumb because they didn't build up to this and it just kind of happened <laughs> so,
0: see you know what I, mean? I don't See, I I know what you mean. And I I don't disagree. But what I would do instead is... Because I like that he is just there because he wants to be on TV. Like, he has no other motive than he wants to be famous. I would have had a way to work Mrs. Loomis into the investigation. Like, some way of... Because obviously, it it makes sense when you realize, oh, you know, of course, if you're going to do a sequel... It's related to the incident from the first movie. His mom is out there. But nobody mentions Billy Loomis's mom until the end of the movie. And yeah. it's also weird. Yeah. I just thought of this. It's also weird because in the first movie, Gail Weathers uh, knows who Sidney Prescott is because she covered the trial of Sidney's mom's murder very closely. But she doesn't recognize Billy Loomis's mom. And they have that line about, like, that she lost some weight and stuff like that. But Sydney knows who it is immediately.
1: Is she in the first movie? No. Like, that character?
0: Uh-huh.
1: I didn't make that connection. Yeah, that, again, another stupid, like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Where did this come from? Okay. I
0: I will say, (laughs) I like this movie still, but it definitely buckles a little bit under its ambition, like, it's maybe trying to do too much.
1: Do you know if there's like a director's cut? Because I feel like it, with it being so long, it could have potentially a lot of it hit the cutting, you know, the editing floor. And there's because I know there are some films like that.
0: The only one of these that I know has a different cut is the first film. But the different cut is just like extended kill and it's like really hard to find unless the 4k has it
1: yeah doesn't make sense I yeah I still feel like the the obsession with the with the crime scenes and the 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 murder trial and all that could have been worked in a lot better it would have made more sense if she was involved a lot more
0: well Um, is there anything else you would like to cover with Scream 2? Mm
1: -hmm. No, I do appreciate the what, what is it, breaking the fourth wall that they kind of do with the film, in a film.
0: Yeah, meta self-aware.
1: Yeah. I, I like, I really appreciate that. It's cheeky. I like it.
0: Well, that's what made that first one. Uh, so popular so as you know uh, from the last time you were here when we end a review we always give it a score on five it's very arbitrary but it's just a way to you know kind of summarize feelings into a number uh so i'm gonna stick with my letterbox score for this i'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five it's not it's a step down from the first one but i think there's a lot of good stuff here it's a very enjoyable slasher the who done it is a little underbaked compared to the first film i think but that doesn't hurt the movie enough for me to call it bad. Overall, it's it's a sequel. It's, it's pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for a sequel, normally I don't like sequels. I think they're just kind of banking on the, the success of the first one. Um, so I'm not big on sequels a lot of the time unless they're really good. I felt this one was actually pretty well done, despite the fact that it had such a quick turnaround um, compared to the release. And you can definitely tell the budget was a lot better, and I agree with their score. You said a three point five out of five. I would Good. give it that too.
0: Because
1: yeah. the first one? I don't know. I have a special place in my heart for the first one. I can't.
0: I think the first one is. Better. I think the first one is almost a perfect film.
1: Oh yeah. It's my, it's easily my favorite one. And that's over any Bruce Campbell film. And I hate to say that, but...
0: Really? <laughs> the first funny. Scream is your favorite film?
1: In the genre, yeah. Interesting. For sure. I, and I think it's because I have that millennial connection to it. It's such a pivotal part of my childhood. And I felt like it was one of the few things in that genre I was able to watch as a kid. Because really, if you think about it, well it's graphic it's not it's it's not that bad graphic wise like it's it's rated R or whatever because of language and blood, but that's really all you get
0: Well, we are out of time for this one. Thank you again for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know if I said this at the beginning, but me and Sarah are going to be doing a lot more videos together. Uh, we've got a lot of different projects in the works uh, this was kind of like our test run of just me and you doing doing a video together and I think it went really well. Uh so we're gonna sign off for right now, but we will be back. We're gonna do scream three sometime this week. And then I've got a few ideas for future projects. Uh I might I might pick a movie that you've never seen so that I could show it to you and then we can have like a little bit of a discussion to see what you thought of it. Uh
1: not seen so yeah we're gonna
0: put her we're gonna put her on blast and make her make her talk about a movie she's never seen before. Uh I just gotta figure out which one. <laughs> but yeah, uh thank you guys for watching and we will be back soon with another video. Peace out.